Hey there, thanks for tuning in. My name is Kara, and you're listening to Demystifying Careers, a podcast where we talk to real people about who they are, what they do, and how they got to where they are today. For this week's episode, we have Rena Debray, a biology PhD student at the University of California, Berkeley. Rena is a 24-year-old second-year PhD student who sat down with me to chat all about PhD programs and her personal experience with her own program. We recorded multiple episodes, each one covering a different topic about PhDs. In this episode, we discuss topics like imposter syndrome, making friends in grad school, and managing stress while getting a PhD. Once you've finished this episode, feel free to check out the others. Rena was a great guest, and I'm so excited for you all to hear her talk. All right, on to the podcast. Enjoy! Alrighty, Rena. How are you doing today? I'm 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 doing okay. It's getting a little warm in Tucson. Uh, we hit 100 degrees on Wednesday. Triple digits. I would like to uh, take a moment not to celebrate the 100 degrees, but to celebrate something else very amazing that happened this week. We are talking to an official PhD candidate now, not a student, a candidate. Rena, tell them why. So what that means is that uh, PhD programs generally have a qualifying exam. Uh, I've spent the last several months reading tons and tons of, of research papers to prepare for this uh, three-hour oral exam, which I had to take over Zoom with a committee of four professors. It was very tiring, but I actually learned a lot and only stressed a, a medium amount. <laughs> Uh, it feels pretty good to be on the other side of it. It means that I advanced to uh, PhD candidacy, as it's called, and my job now is to just do research for uh, until I've done enough research, and then they'll let me graduate. I'm really excited for you, Rena. Very proud, and I'm glad that we get to talk to you like just a few days after that quals exam. That's amazing. I, I am excited to be here. And um, I'm sure it'll be easier for me to think about all the things I love about grad school now than like the last couple <laughs> of years when I was a little stressed and tired. What we want to focus on today is what we call the academic life. So what is the lifestyle like? What is it like making friends, having hobbies? What is stress like? What are the hours like? All of that I think is really interesting to hear about. So I'm excited to dive into that topic today. From your point of view, what has stress been like? How do you deal with stress in your PhD program? And what do your hours tend to look like? Are you working all-nighters constantly? Is there barely any work? I've never pulled an all-nighter. I don't think I know people who work crazy hours like that in grad school. The impression that I got before grad school was that it was crazy hours and stress all the time. And I'm sure that is some people's experiences, and I'm sorry to hear it. But I think a a lot of people have a, a more normal life because it's it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it's important to pay attention to your hours and, and working too much can be just as bad as working too little because you burn yourself out. To answer that more specifically, I come into lab at nine, leave at like five or six. So I think I have a, a pretty normal work life. I go in on the weekends if I have to, which, and that does happen sometimes because I do some time sensitive work. You know, bacteria kind of grow when they want to, not when, not through Monday through Friday only. Uh, so sometimes I have to go in, but I usually don't mind too much because it feels like it's for a good reason, not just because my advisor is, is working me to death or something. Sometimes there's deadlines that come up. So my qualifying exam was a big deadline with a specific date. So as it got closer, I found myself doing a bit more weekend and evening work. Um, Sometimes I have 
proposal deadlines or paper deadlines and you know those just come up and you just sometimes accept that you have to hunker down for a bit and, and push through it. But my feeling and I think the expectation if you have a good advisor is that working on healthy hours is bad for you and it's bad for your work and it's bad for your lab because you're miserable and that's just not something that you can keep up. So you can have busy weeks, maybe busy months or busy semesters, but not a busy six years. That's just not sustainable. I like the marathon, not a sprint analogy you made. I think that's a really important one to keep in mind. And I could imagine that because the PhD program is so flexible in the hours, you know, you sort of are making your own schedule. That could be dangerous for people who aren't very disciplined or who haven't thought through how they want their schedule to be, because you might work super late nights all the time, or you might work 14 hour days every day, and you just wouldn't keep yourself in check. It almost seems like a good idea to try to keep yourself at the normal like nine to five, the way that a, a typical industry job would be. For my first year of grad school, I was I was pretty strict about working at least nine to five and maybe a bit more, but not too much more. I really kept an eye on my work hours and that gave me an idea of like, okay, this is how much progress I make when I'm working a, a good amount. Um, and the, yeah. the thing is in, in grad school, compared to undergrad and compared to a lot of jobs, you don't get that much week to week or month to month feedback. You kind of see your progress pan out over the course of years. It's definitely the things that have stressed me out the most in grad school was every time I had to take on a new role that I wasn't used to. So my, after a year mm. of grad school over the summer, I mentored two undergraduate students in the lab and they were so great. And, uh, and I had a lot of fun and it was really rewarding, but oh my gosh, I was also so stressed about what to, how to train them and how to make all the decisions about how much freedom to give them or what if their projects didn't go well. And so it, it was a leadership position that I wasn't used to being responsible for somebody else's project and, and for somebody else's, you know, training and education. So uh, grad school and, and anything that you do after being a student is going to involve some new roles in life. And I think it's pretty normal to have some growing pains with that and feel a little confused and stressed and like, why are they letting me do this? I don't know anything, <laughs> but you do. I like the encouragement at the end. You do know things. It's just, you're slowly uncovering your own confidence that you can do those things. People talk about imposter syndrome. <laughs> That's the idea that, um, that I'm not really good enough at all of this. Everybody else is, but they just don't realize how dumb I am. And uh, the thing is, what you start to learn is that everybody feels that way. And um, the reason that you're being put in the roles that you are is because you're qualified. It's because you're, you're starting to become one of the experts. So of course, that's a role shift. Of course, it's, it's okay to feel a little weird about it. But the reason that I got um, put into all of those positions, mentoring, teaching, event planning, was because I was qualified for them even if I was nervous. I like that. It's sort of the fake it till you make it thing. So I want to ask you a little bit about what some people would call the mundane parts of the lifestyle of an academic, but I, I find it really interesting to learn about things like how you make friends, what clubs you join, like all of that. Um, so I'll say meeting people. Uh, I, I mostly know other graduate students, especially in my field. I think it would be nice to change that. I've, I've thought about how to try to change that, but it's, it's definitely, that's who you spend the most time with. So I think that's not an uncommon experience that people mostly know other grad students from classes or that work in their labs. 
I think probably most people when they graduate college, their their network gets a little smaller and maybe it starts with the people that you see a lot at work. But I have tried some other things in the Bay Area that have been really fun. I start going to hit classes. I sometimes play in an orchestra that gets together like once a month. Um, I joined a book club just this past winter. And so I, I've only been able to go to a few meetings of it before we shut down, of course, because of coronavirus. But that's something that I really like. It's the East Bay Ladies Books and Booze Club. I like that. Yeah, I, I like it too. Uh, we, we talk about the book a little and then we like drink and complain about our boyfriends. So <laughs> it's just what I'm looking for in life. I hope my boyfriend isn't listening to this. <laughs> so I think there, it's definitely possible and I, I definitely encouraged, I would say, to get involved with hobbies outside of grad school. It's really nice to feel like I have things to think about and, and people to talk to who do something different from what I think about all day. And the people that I met in grad school have been so great too, but I think there's definitely something nice to having um, a change of scenery. It's tricky making friends as an adult. It's something me and my adult friends, like we all talk about all the time. It's how do you meet people? I'm really looking forward to when I have kids and then my kids make friends at school and then I just get to be friends with their parents. Ah, uh, they do all the work for you. Well, I mean, that's what I did. That was my family's friends growing up was, um, it was just my brother's friends' families. <laughs> when all this ends with coronavirus, um, Rena, I think you should do improv with me. I think I tried convincing you to do it in undergrad as well, but that's a really fun thing to do and it's a good way to meet people. So I'm going to, I'm going to poke you on it once uh, again, once coronavirus comes to an end. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's nice to know that in your in your PhD program, you've been able to have time to do hobbies and meet people and have friends because I think there is a stereotype with a lot of programs that maybe they never have a social life, that they're just working all the time, which is kind of a sad idea if that was all that someone was doing for years. Yeah, that's definitely a stereotype that I've heard. And maybe I, I know one or two people who don't do anything besides their research. And I don't know. I'm most people aren't like that and don't want to be. It's it's good to have an identity uh, beyond just what you do for a living. Whether yeah, whether that's research or anything else, I think that's just general life advice to have some other interests that it makes you a more interesting person to be around. And it means that sometimes when your research hits a, a bump in the road, you won't feel like your whole life is crashing down because there's other things that you have going for you. Yes to that 100%. I'm a very big believer in diluting your personality, which sounds kind of bad, but I, I think, or not your personality, sorry, diluting your identity um, so that your identity doesn't rest on a single thing. Because like you said, if then that one part of your life goes down for some reason, whether it's your job, you get fired or romantic relationship, you break up, or you're just not good at this hobby that you define yourself by, suddenly you're in this identity crisis and it becomes a whole thing. So having multiple ways that you see yourself and multiple interests and passions, I think is very healthy and necessary. So we've covered lots of really great stuff so far. One other thing I wanted to ask about real quick was just about travel and vacations. Do you get to vacation at all? So I think, and again, just my experience, I think this is one of the great things about grad school is that we have more flexibility. So um, I haven't heard of anyone keeping track of the number of vacation days like you do at a, at a usual job. Um, it's still something that I try to limit because I want to still get my work done. But I have some flexibility in 
when I travel, especially now that I'm done taking my classes and I'm not teaching right now, I don't have a lot of time-sensitive commitments. So it's, it's been easy to plan some kind of three-day weekends or even uh, once in a while some longer trips. But I think there's a lot more flexibility for travel in grad school than in other sectors. And I think that's pretty cool. And especially because academics travel a lot for conferences anyway. So I was going to travel for Switzerland and UC Berkeley was going to pay for it. So sometimes there are ways to sneak in some, or like not sneak in, that makes it sound. <laughs> sometimes there are ways to add on a personal vacation when you're already traveling for a conference and that can work out really well. What a beautiful euphemism that was. Not sneak in, but just a, a nice professional add-on. To wrap up this episode, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Rena, for giving us a peek into what the PhD life is for you. It's really interesting, at least to me, to hear about that, and hopefully it was interesting for other people to hear about that as well. Yeah, and hopefully that helps break down some, some um, preconceptions that you might have a little, because I really don't think that grad school has to be all pain and, and misery, and, um, and I think for most people it's not like that. Don't be too scared. I work hard, but it's not, um, it's not all-encompassing for sure. You're just a normal gal who loves bacteria. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm a cool grad student. <laughs> I'm a cool mom, I swear. <laughs> thank you again, Rena. It was really great talking to you. Hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much, and thank you to the listeners for listening. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information on the guest and what was discussed, check out the information in the podcast description box. And to hear more, feel free to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating so others can find demystifying careers too. Thanks again, and see you next time.